going to begin, and we are going, we're learning time yet together, and we are holding by Perig Gimel by chapter 3. Right, over the last couple of weeks, we began the Tanya, we did the introduction, the Hakdama, then chapter 1, chapter 2, and that brings us to chapter 3, Perig Gimel. Okay, so, um, very, very quick backdrop. In the end of Perik Aleph, in the end of chapter 1, the Alter Rebbe brought the um, uh, foundational teaching of Rabbi Chaim Vital, who uh, was the foremost disciple of the Arizal. And Rabbi Chaim Vital writes that every Yid is made up of two souls, right? Whether a person is a Sadiq or a Rasha, has, is, really has two entire Nishamis, two souls within that person. And we, he, first he introduced, in short, what we call the Nefesh Abahamis, or Nefesh Hativis, or Nefesh Achiyunis, we discussed the various names, the natural soul. Um, and that was the first one that we discussed, and that's also the first one that comes into the person, that's most natural to us. And last week in chapter 2, we discussed the godly soul. The Nefesh, as he said there, the Nefesh Hashemis mamash. the second soul in a Jew, is a part of Hashem Himself. The word mamish is an addition from the Tanya. Chelik elokam imal is a pasuk. It's a pasuk. Um, I'm pretty sure it's an eov. It talks about a chelik elokam imal, and the Alter Rebbe has the word mamish, which means literally. But that second soul is a part of Hashem, and that Wait, part can of Hashem. I just ask, can I ask a question on that? You may. Um, uh, because you you mentioned about Eov and and that's such a pivotal point that he makes so I looked it up and it and it sounded like um, the context was that Eov was saying is this my portion I was a good guy and I get suffering it didn't sound like he was saying oh my soul is a part of God so I was just wondering like how did he use that term did he take it out of context and use it in a new way or did it really deeply mean that he was a part of Hashem in his soul? Or did it mean literally what he said, which is like, why did I get this portion of suffering? Okay, so, so, that's, okay. so that's a very good question. Very good question. In order for me to answer that correctly, I'd have to look up the source myself and look at the oh. commentary there and get back, get back to you, Mertz Hashem. Um, okay. But whether that was the literal meaning of what he said or he was using it in a different context... The words remain the words, right? Many times words have many layers of meaning, and there's the meaning in the context of what, what it's used versus the meaning that there is in the, those words on their own as well. So again, how that fits in the context of that chapter, I would have to look into more and get back to you about that, Mirza Hashem. Okay? Um, be that as it may, that was what we discussed last week, that idea that every yid has that part of Hashem. We also discussed about the fact that even though we have many different levels of neshamas, and there's great tzaddikim, and there's regular people, and there's something called yiridas adoros, the descent of the generations, nevertheless, that doesn't change the essential quality of the soul of each and every one of us. So whether one is the greatest tzaddik or the smallest of souls, whether one lived 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago or today, if they're a Jew, according to halacha, then they have that part of Hashem that's within them at their very essence. That's what we read last week. This week, in Paragimel, chapter 3, which is really a shorter chapter, it's in fact one of the shortest chapters in the entire Tanya, touches on what we call in Hebrew the kochos hanefesh, or the soul powers, the makeup of the soul. So whereas last week the discussion was much more about the essence of the soul, that the essence is that part of Hashem, what many times we call the pintelayit, right, that drop of Yiddishkeit that comes out in the craziest ways and crazy times, like the times that we live in today. Um, but there, that's the essence. There's the essence of the soul. But then there's the way, the form of the soul, the makeup of the soul. The soul is made up of kochos, of powers, soul powers, and they are the, known as the eser kochos hanefesh, the ten basic soul powers. And as the Alter Rebbe introduces them to us in this chapter, and he doesn't really go through all of them, as we're going to see as we go through the chapter. But he says, he mentions that, he says, we're made up of the Eser Bechinos, ten components, Kineged Eser Sphiros Elyonos, that they are, correspond to the ten divine Sphiros, the ten attributes, if you will, of Hashem. Why? Why do we have 10 just because Hashem has 10? And here he says two very powerful, important words. 
Because this soul really comes from its source being the ten spheros of Hashem. So that when we look at a soul, and we want, we want to understand the makeup of the soul, we have to understand where this soul comes from. And this soul comes from Hashem. And being that it comes from Hashem, its makeup also follows Hashem's makeup, so to speak, as we'll discuss. And that's a very important general concept. You know, I'll mention another statement also from Eov. Many statements of Eov that are used tremendously in Chassidus. And one of them is, Eov says, Mibsari echaze eloka. What does that mean? Mibsari, from my flesh. Echaze, I will gaze eloka at Hashem. And the idea being that when we look at ourselves and understand a lot of things about ourselves, that gives us an inkling and ability to understand many things about Hashem. And why is that? Because Hashem sort of imprinted Himself on us. And really that's right in the Chumash when Hashem creates man and He says something unique that He doesn't say by any other part of creation. He says, Nase Adam bitsalmenu kidmuseinu. Let's make man in, in my form in the form of heaven. So which means that we were created in many ways as a likeness or as an expression of our source of Hashem. And that way we're different than any other creation. Although Hashem created everything, everything comes from Hashem, and yet, although everything comes from Hashem, not necessarily can we learn about Hashem from their makeup, so to speak. It doesn't say Hashem created animals or trees or water in the demus, in the tzelem, in the form of Hashem. Only mankind does it say about this that Nasa Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu that I made man in my form. And so much so, as Eov says, we're able to learn about Hashem by understanding the way we work. When we understand and think deeply, and especially when we learn about how we work, we understand that, oh, well, that's the way it is by Hashem as well. And actually, that's a tremendous chesed of Hashem, a tremendous kindness, because it gives us a way, a window, and to have some level of understanding of Hashem's workings. Obviously, ultimately, Hashem is beyond our comprehension. The Pasuk says, Is there found one who could truly understand, truly fathom Hashem? And we can't. We can't. But at the same time, Hashem gave us little glimpses of being able to understand things about Him by imprinting them, by creating them within the human being, and specifically within the godly soul that's within ourselves. So therefore he says It's like a contradiction So you can, you can't We can to a degree degree. We can to a degree Or not So there's always going to be Above our ability to understand Because Hashem remains Hashem And we remain created beings At the same time In his kindness to us He didn't say Close the door and say I'm Hashem You're you're humans You stick to the human world And leave me alone Right. No, he gives us the ability to learn and understand and comprehend certain aspects and certain details about him, understanding that at the end of the day, there's things that are going to be beyond our understanding. It's interesting, the point has been made many times, there's a mitzvah of emuna in Hashem, and there's a mitzvah of yidiyah, knowledge about Hashem. And they're both mitzvahs. There's a mitzvah, the Pasuk says, da to know God. Da is understand, to know. There's a mitzvah, lahamin, to believe in Hashem. Now, faith and knowledge seem to be different, right? Faith means I don't understand, I believe. Knowledge means I understand. And they're both mitzvahs. That means because there's things that we can understand, and therefore we have a mitzvah to try to understand as much as we can. And that ability broadens as we learn more and understand more. And there's always going to remain what's beyond our understanding as well, and that's where Amuna comes in. So here he tells us that our neshama, I mean, there's a, there's a famous and very beautiful story. I'll just say it quickly because it fits in right here. The story of the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe whose birthday actually was just Shabbos, Chav Cheshvan. And one time someone came to him and they showed him, they said that there's been a major new scientific discovery. And it had to do with some type, of, I don't know the details of how this works, but some type of a vein or artery in, in the head that based on the blood flow, one way, if, blo- if the uh, blood flows one way, it's good for deep concentration. And if the blood flows the other way, it's good for memory. And that's why instinctively, when we're trying to remember, we raise our head upward. 
because that's somehow that the blood flow helps us remember. When we're trying to think deeply, we put our head, head downward as we think. And we do so many things we do instinctively without re- recognizing, but they figured out that it's because of the blood flow and the vein and so on and so forth. And they came in and told this to the Rebbe Rashab. And the Rebbe Rashab says, one minute. He goes back into his room and he brings out a mimer written by his great-grandfather, the Mittler Rebbe, Rebbe Dover. And in that mimer he writes this. He writes that in the mind there's something and the blood, the blood, flow, you know, the blood flows this way and flows that way and here you understand. And, and he says, so my great-grandfather wrote this in a mimer. But he explained. He says, do you think my great-grandfather knew it because he studied medicine? He never studied medicine. He didn't know the ins and outs of medicine. He knew it because he knew it from its source. Being that man is created in the image of Hashem, he understood in its source, in Hashem, that that's the way it is. And therefore, it's going to mirror itself in the, in the physical body. She says the scientist figured it out from, you know, bottoms up, from looking at the body. He figured it out from seeing it from, from top down. But they both came to the same conclusion. It's just he had a few years on that. Yeah. But that, that story is just a, like a, an expression of this concept of that everything has its, you know, the layers of it starts from Hashem. And then there is that hishtalshalus, that shame, as things descend from their source and they're imprinted in the person or in other areas in the world in general down here. So, be that as it may, the chapter starts off by telling us that there are these ten soul powers in our soul. That's the makeup of our soul. Um, and they come from the ten attributes that there is within Hashem. Now, here's something interesting to understand. Just like when we talk about the ten attributes in Hashem, when we talk about the ten spheres, the ten attributes, do the ten attributes make up the essence of Hashem? No. No. Because Hashem's essence is above all attributes and above wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Hashem's essence is above and beyond any attribute that we can attribute to it, right? In fact, there's a very beautiful part of the Zohar that we say, or we could say, or should say, on Friday before Mincha, right? If you ever have time, on fr- Friday before Mincha, before the Yedid Nefesh, it starts with Pasach Eliyahu. It's like a long page and a half and it's, it's straight Zohar, really it is. And it's Aramaic. And it's not easy understanding. Right? It's not even easy reading. <laughs> it's not even easy reading, and now, let alone the understanding. But it's straight Zohar. It starts Pasach Eliyo, that this was ultimately comes from Eliyo Hanavi. And this is Rabbi Shun Bar Yechai recording this in the Zohar. Um, and as you know, that in the summers, I typically have the school suspending its fast, and I try, if I can, Friday afternoon, to go to Rav Shum Bar Yechai's caver in Miron, and to say the Pasach el that comes from him, from the Zohar. But be that as it may, there he discusses this. And he says, he says, so You, Hashem, you're one. You're not part of any counting of ten or, or attributes. You're above it all. But you created ten spheros in order to run the world through them. So that those ten attributes that we always talk about, starting from the Chachma, right? Chachma, Bina, Das, Kasek, Vur, Tiferes, Netzach, Yisod, Malchus. The ten basic attributes are really like ten building blocks that Hashem created within Himself through which He operates in creation. Could you repeat that? What, the ten spheros? This, this last section, the last two Yeah, sentences. that the, the ten attributes that we ascribed to Hashem, which are, again, you know, the wisdom, understanding, knowledge, kindness, severity, um, beauty, victory, splendor, foundation, and royalty. Yes. So those ten are, are building blocks, so to speak, that Hashem created within Himself through which He directs and involves Himself in creation. In other words, the, my point being, I'm saying too many words to say something simple. Okay. The essence of Hashem is not the ten spheros. The essence of Hashem is oneness, is unique, is not defined by any attribute. But Hashem uses the ten spheros as his form of operation. Through them, he operates and leads and gives into this world whatever the world needs. Okay. Okay? So just like in Hashem, there's the essence of Hashem. And then the ten attributes, the same thing is in our soul. Because our soul, remember, is a mirror image. So in our soul, we have the essence of our neshama, which we discussed last week, or the pintaliyid, that essence of Yiddishkeit. But then there is the ten soul powers, again called the eser, kochos, and nefesh, the ten soul powers, 
excuse me, through which the soul operates. Okay? We, we have all ten in it? Yes. We do. So, and this chapter is, introduces us to those soul powers. So, in general, the soul powers can be divided into two divisions. And if you're thinking that it's going to be five and five, <laughs> you'll be wrong. Because that would be correct mathematically, but it's not correct in the soul. If we divide the ten soul powers into two, how do we divide them? It's the first three versus the last seven. Right? The first three, which are known as the intellectual soul powers, that's the famous Chachma, Bina, and Das. Loosely and very incorrectly translated as wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Right? And that's very connected to us because we're learning Tanya, which is by the Alter Rabbi who began Chasidus Chabad. Right? All of Chasidus really goes by that acronym of Chachma, Bina, and Das. Right? So that's the first three, which is the intellectual component. That's the first three. The next seven are the Midos, are the emotions. And emotions are always going to be in sevens. Um, most famously, we know this from Sphira. Right, the seven weeks of Sphira Saomer, and each week we um, devote ourselves to a different one of the seven Midos, and they're seven times seven, right? Emotions, Midos, uh, Kabbalistically, is always going to be connected with the number seven. So the ten Spheros, the ten attributes of Hashem, which then become the ten soul powers within our soul, are made up of the three and the seven. The intellect, being the first three, and the emotions being the seven. And together we have 10. Now, in Tanya here, he has a very interesting definition for the intellectual components, and he calls them the emos, which means mothers. Imahos, the, imahos, so, imahos. so he calls them emos, interesting. Although, yeah, even in regular Hebrew, it would normally be imahot, that's correct. But here he calls them shalosh emos. I don't know the, the grammar of that, I don't know. But he calls them the emos, the mothers. Why are the intellectual components called the mothers? You would have thought it was just the opposite. I would have thought it was just the You would have thought that the, what, that the intellect is the fathers and the emotions is the mothers. Yes. Okay. Fine, fine, but he doesn't do that. Um, he just he yeah, he doesn't even talk about fathers at all. We're making up for last week. Oh, remember? Right, this is a metaphor again. <laughs> this is all. This is all gonna. Everything here is metaphoric. Okay. But why are the um, intellectual components of the soul called the emos, the mothers? Because the intellect gives birth, so to speak, to the emotions. And that is a very, very important Hasidic and Tanya concept especially. That emotions are very much the product of what we understand and what we think about. Now, it's not as clear and simple as all that, but there is tremendous truth to the fact that our feelings, what we like and what we don't, what we're inspired by, what we're not, is very much connected with our mind and what we think. And as our mind develops, as our thoughts develops, our emotions change what we like and what we want. To oversimplify matters, a little child, and you want to give them something to make them happy on their birthday when they're two. So what's a two-year-old appropriate gift? Candy. Whatever. Candy or a game or a truck or a doll or whatever, right? Yeah. As the child grows, you can't get away with giving that gift to a five-year-old, right? Because this child now understands more and therefore likes things that are more significant, more meaningful, because their mind has matured, their thoughts matured, and they think about things differently, and now they like better things. And you can't give them that. Right? By the time they're 10, especially nowadays, they need a full-scale computer, right? So, and then they'll teach the parents how to use them. So the, the, the fact is that as we grow in our understanding, that forms and shapes the types of midos that we're going to have. And as we learn more and grow, we should grow as far as what we enjoy. We develop finer tastes and finer appreciations. And this is physically and spiritually. And ultimately, this is also the reason why a person can develop and create 
godly feelings and, and a desire for spiritual things because we use our mind and we learn and we understand and that's able to affect our emotions as well. So, I'm confused. Okay. okay. Normally, when I think of midos, I think of, um, I don't think of emotions, right? You're talking about thoughts affect our emotions. Our intellect is affecting our emotions, mm -hmm. correct? Correct. But isn't amida an attribute like, oh, someone has good migos? They don't have, it, it, you're using the word mida for emotions? Right. Midas are usually translated as emotions, I believe. Yeah. I believe. Um, they're the emotional attributes within ourselves, like chesed and givura, kindness, severity. These are attributes, but they're not unlike wisdom and understanding. These are emotional attributes, attributes that connect with our emotions, kindness and giving and love and fear. These are emotions that are very much midos, a base. It sounds like emotional actions. Okay. Chesed is... is kindness. Is, it, chesed is kindness. Okay. But that, I don't think of that as an emotion. An emotion is sadness, happiness, um, anger. Okay. Kindness is, is an action. That's the act of chesed. Giving, the act of giving is the act form of chesed. Okay. But kindness is not just the giving. One can give the same, do the same action without kindness just because they're told to do it. Kindness is the feeling of being kind and wanting to be kind, which might express itself in love and therefore in giving a gift, but it's all rooted in that attribute of kindness. So kindness is the emotion behind the giving, the act of kindness of giving. Can we say an act of kindness means there's the kindness, which is the feeling. And again, that feeling can become a loving feeling and therefore a gift being given because of that. Okay. Severity, working that right? <laughs> okay, well, well right. The, the intellect will bring the emotions, right? right? Okay, but so. I but I don't understand how Hashem has all of these as well, but we don't see what they are really, nor do we even know any of that. Like it's not. But know, we do just, see, we do see the kindness. We do see, unfortunately, severity. We do see the... the, the, the people are asking that we speak up because they're oh. listening. They have to hear in different states. You have to talk louder. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. No, we see expressions of Hashem's kindness. When we get a special gift from Hashem and we feel a, a, a recipient of kindness and we thank Hashem so much for that kindness, sometimes we feel the expression of severity. Right? We don't know, again, we'll never understand the inner workings in Hashem's mind and what's causing things, but we feel the expression of kindness, we feel the expression of severity, I would say. Okay, so be that as it may, the, again, the, mo, the, um, the intellectual components we call the mothers because they're the source for. They give birth to all different types of feelings. Interestingly, I'll just I'll interject here, a teaching of that the Alter Rebbe brings in other places. He says, there's a mitzvah, for example, to love Hashem. It's a mitzvah. We say it in the Shema. The question is, how could there be a mitzvah to love? Right, afraid you can tell you there's a mitzvah to do, but what do you mean mitzvah to love? I don't like it. Right? Try you know, giving the mitzvah of love to your child and tell them to like the food on their plate. Right? I don't like it. Yeah, you can tell me to eat it, but I don't like it. But Hashem says, no, I want you to love me. So how could Hashem give us a mitzvah on an emotion of love? And the answer given in Hasidus is, Hashem's mitzvah wasn't to start loving, it was to learn, to think, and know enough that you'll start loving. If you'll learn enough and, and think about it enough, you'll awaken feelings of love and feelings of appreciation and feelings of thanks and feelings of love. So when Hashem says, I want you to love me, what He's really saying is, I want you to learn about this and understand it in order to be able to develop those feelings. And that all is connected to this idea that the, that the intellectual components of our soul are called, again, the mothers, they're the developers. They're the ones who are developing the various midos that we're going to be looking for. So that's as far as that. Then, when he talks about the seven midos, he has a very fascinating name for them as well. Could you, could you list them for us? These seven meters. Sure. Okay. 
Hebrew or English? Uh, you both. Okay. There's an extra fee for both. Okay. <laughs> okay, there's chesed, okay. which is kindness. Okay. There's givura, mm-hmm. which is severity. There is tiferes, which is beauty. Netzach is victory. At least that's the way it's loosely translated. Mm-hmm. Hod, which is splendor. Yesod, which is foundation, and Malchus, which is royalty. Okay. Now, I'm just afraid you can ask me to explain them. No. Well, okay, good. <laughs> the explanation is a whole different share. Okay. But that's the, that's the actual mythos, right? Now, the name that he gives for, the, for, the, for that group of seven attributes is Shivas Yimei Habinyan, the seven days of creation. And that's because this world was created in seven days, I mean, obviously, six days plus Shabbos. And each day, it was one of those midos that was the primary vehicle or tool for creation on that day. So on the first day is a day of chesed. For all of history, the first day is a day of chesed. The second day is a day connected with severity. And the third day with beauty. And you get till Shabbos, which is malchus, which is royalty. So the seven midos are called the seven days of creation. Shivas Yimei Habinyan. Again, this is the way it is in Hashem and reflects in our Neshama as well. In our emotional versus um, intellectual soul powers. Now, why? Why is it that the seven days of creation are connected only with the Midos? Why wasn't there ten days of creation? And then all ten attributes would be represented in creation. Right? It's interesting. There could have been 10 days of creation, even though you're thinking, why, everything was finished in seven days. I'm sure he could have created a few, couple more things, right? So why was there seven days of creation for seven meters? Because the intellect created, because it, it led to that. That's, that's okay, so the intellect is sort of like out of the picture of creation. And here we're going to learn something very fascinating about the difference of intellect and emotions, the way it is by Hashem and therefore the way it is with us. And that is, emotions are our connectors with others. Emotions are connectors. Intellect, when someone is a real intellectual, typically what kind of a person are they? More of a loner. Intellect doesn't need company. Right? Intellect, when one wants to learn something deeply and understand, they go to the library. They don't need any people, they don't need any noise, they don't need anything, they need books. When we're thinking deeply, we're retreating into ourselves to a degree. When we're emoting, I don't know if there's such a word, is there? So then it's to people and with people. So our emotions connect us outward. Our intellect is the source of all that, but it's still in our own mind, in our own self. And the same is with Hashem. Or better said, the way it is by us is because that's the way it was with Hashem. It is with Hashem as well. Hashem's connecting to others means creation. Mm-hmm. So when Hashem is creating the world, He's connecting outwards, so to speak, and that's where the emotional attributes come to the fore. So there's seven days of creation. There's three days, or I'm not sorry, three days, three levels, so to speak. Hashem's intellectual levels is Hashem within Himself, above and beyond creation. And we know that, obviously, without going into this, there's so much of Hashem that's above and beyond creation. And there's plenty of, this comes up in Tanya later, that there's the levels that are concealed above creation altogether. They're more connected with the first three components of Hashem, the intellectual ones, just like by us, where intellectually we withdraw within ourselves. And the emotions are the way that Hashem creates. Okay? So this is just, as, as by way of introdu- introduction, of the first three components, or spheros, or kochos, whichever name you give them. Um, which are the intellectual, the seven, the final seven, which are, which are the emotional, and and again in the way they, in Tanya, what's more important is the way they play themselves out within our souls. But we learned that they're coming from and expressing the way it is within Hashem Himself. Okay, so he starts talking about the actual soul powers, and he talks in for the remainder of the chapter primarily about the first three, the intellectuals. 
which are the source of the others, as we said, the ones that give birth, so to speak, to the other kochos. So again, for the remainder of this chapter, the, the focus is going to be on Chachma, on Bina, and on Das. Interesting because I remember from the first class, you said... You might talk a little louder? You said from the first class that Tanya is about the emotion. Mm -hmm. So, or mostly about the emotion. So, you know, I'm wondering... How that's going to fit in. How that's going to fit in. That's wonderful. And there's no doubt. As we, as the chapters unfold, we're going to talk a tremendous amount about emotion and Ava and Yira and all that. But in introducing ourselves, we're introducing the source of all that. And as we said, those, that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are the mothers that develop all the rest. So that's where it comes from. from, from. And that's where there's going to be a tremendous amount of focus, at least in the beginning as well. Okay? So, quickly, Chachma. What is Chachma? And actually, Chachma is a very, very enigmatic soul power. Um, interesting, the word Chachma, we always loosely translate that as wisdom. Um, but in the Hebrew word of Chachma, if you think about the word and take it apart, it's Koach Ma. Literally translated, a power of what? In other words, something that is very, very yet undefined. And in understanding the, using the intellectual process, the best way to define Chachma or describe Chachma is describing Chassidus as like the first flash of knowledge or understanding. Like, for example, if I'm trying to get something, I'm trying to learn, and then I feel like a, a light bulb goes off in my head, and ah, I got something. But that something, when I just get it, I didn't really get it, and I definitely don't understand it, mm -hmm. and I definitely couldn't explain it, mm -hmm. right? But something sort of, a light bulb went off in my mind. A, a, a flash of inspiration, of thought, of something, something clicked. That's what. Chachma being the first of the ten soul powers. The one where something new is entering into my system, so to speak. Now, ultimately, that's going to be developed and ultimately will affect my midos and ultimately will make me a better person all the way down. But it had to start somewhere. And it started with an initial flash of inspiration that comes to me. And as of yet, it's unbuilt and it's unrefined and undefined. That's Chachma. And that's why the word for Chachma is Koach Ma, the power that's still called what? I don't have my hand on it. I can't, and I don't have a grasp on it yet at all. But it's the source that will be built and from which everything else will ultimately come to be. Really, everything in life starts that way. Everything starts as a flesh, as something very seminal, which later takes on and becomes every great event started from a flash of inspiration, right? A, a, a beautiful home, a beautiful song, there's a flash of inspiration, and then was built. That's Chachma. Mm. And Chachma is very powerful. We learn much later in Tanya how really the, the seat of divinity in, our, in ourselves is in our Chachma. It's that part that's so undefined, that's so loose, if you will, but so powerful. But if it only stays that flash? No good. We'll probably get lost. That's what I think. I probably wouldn't even remember it. Right. Right? Okay. That's Chachma. Which brings us to, and that's why, you know, it's translated as wisdom. And, okay. It's really but, not. Right. It's, it's not. And, and I, if you remember, I said earlier that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is the most famous and, and worst translation for Chachma Bina Das. But I don't know that there's a better one either. You know, go, you can't really translate that seminal flash of inspiration. You know, that's a long word for Chachma. Be that as it may. Then is Bina. The word Bina, which is translated as understanding, that's not bad. But it's really more than anything, it's building on that initial flesh. Think about the word Bina connected with the word Bona, to build. And it's so connected because, okay, I got that flesh. Now it's time to sit down and think and work this out and define it and take it apart and put it back together and see if it makes sense and see if I can get my, my hands on it. And only then... Do I fully appreciate and understand what I got? Now it's interesting. There are certain people who are much better at Bina than at Chachma. Certain people, they're very good. Give them a flash, they'll develop it beautifully. But they're not original. 
They're, they're not into getting that initial inspiration, but give them the inspiration, they'll work with it. They'll make a book out of it. Certain people are very good at chachma because they're, they're very original and they're full of wonderful inspirations, but they don't know what to do with it. Right? Because Chachma and Bina are different. They're different. And there are people who have, have a more developed or better sense of Chachma. People have a better sense of Bina. They're very, very different, but they really totally work together and complement each other. Only together do you have the full, you know, the full um, gamut of expression where the initial expression, the initial inspiration, and the building of it, and that's Bina. So in, if, we're, if we're going to talk about this just from an, an, an intellectual way, there's the initial flash of understanding, flash of inspiration, and then there's understanding it, learning it and understanding it, defining it. It becomes something complete and something to take to the bank, so to speak. That's Bina. It's interesting because I was looking in the sitter. Rabbi? Yes, it's one yeah. set. Um, yeah, whoever's first. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I was also thinking that um, since it's like yesh me'ayin, the chokmah, it's like there's nothing and then something comes into the mind. So, and uh, at least it seems that way. So is that also why it's like a divinity, you can feel divinity because it's not, it's something that's given to you from on high that you Excellent. were thinking. Very well said, very well said. And we're going we're gonna to discuss this more in, I know it sounds like in a long time, but when we get to chapter 18, because there he talks a lot about the Chachma and being the place where the, where the godly soul actually is able to be most present, manifest in Chachma, and is very connected with the ideas that you just said correctly. Okay? Yes? Um, Just loud, louder. In, in Shmona Esrei, so when you say the bracha, atach chaneim le'adam das, umelameid le'nash bina, chaneinu mitcha chachma bina v'das. I never noticed, I always thought it just was atach chaneinu le'adam das, and you're so quickly saying it, that it doesn't say and all of what you just said, but it actually includes, and that was her book, Right, the, the, the brachas and everything. So it says, Chachma bina b'das brachas Hashem chanein b'das. Right, yeah. so the Rebbe didn't write the brachas. These right. are brachas in Shemana Esrei, but it says Nusach. That's correct. Right, right, right. yes, but and they're all like, there. I never saw, because we say it so fast, and I'm always thinking it's just a das, because that's all you say, and then you're going to the next one, but it actually includes yeah. all so three. It does. It, it, it does. different Nusach, does it not? I'm sure it does. Oh, it it's just sometimes there's wording order difference, but uh -huh. the basics are the same. Yeah. Every Whatever Nusach you're davening has the basic uh, 19 brachas. Like for whatever year, saying it, like not thinking that it includes all of what you said and now for the first time. Good, wow. excellent. I'm going to say. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's always been there. Yeah, it's always been there. It's like, okay. She needed the flash. I needed the flash. <laughs> okay, now, being that we're talking about the godly soul, Right? We're, you know, we're, we've been talking about spheres, but we're talking about the makeup of the godly soul. Now, the godly soul, this chachma and this bina, this flash and this understanding is all about godliness. Right? We're talking, the, the godly soul doesn't think about stuff that aren't godly. The chachma, bina, das, the entire, all the ten kochos, all the ten soul powers of the godly soul are godly. That's why they're called the godly soul. So the chachma of the godly soul is chachma about Hashem. The bina, the understanding, the meditation and reflection of the godly soul is the power to understand and reflect about godliness. And the more one understands and reflects about godliness, that's going to create the midos. As we said before, the yira Hashem, the ava Hashem. When we talk about having yira Hashem, fear of Hashem, which is also a very poor translation. Fear of Hashem. Fear of Hashem sounds like uh, we're afraid of, uh, I don't know, a, a big dog outside, you know, because someone might hurt me. But obviously Hashem's not out to hurt me, and fear of Hashem is not about Hashem hurting me. So as he talks here about fear in a sense of that I'm in awe of Hashem, and I feel embarrassed or small or sometimes humbled by Hashem. That's much more correct um, expressions of fear of Hashem. But whatever feeling it is, is going to be inspired by how much I can learn about Hashem and understand about Hashem. The more I understand and appreciate and comprehend and com contemplate, 
the more I'm going to develop those feelings. And in the chapter, he talks about, about Ahava Sashem, about, about Yira Sashem. He talks about, of course, Ahava and Yira, the love and fear, are the two primary um, emotions in mitzvahs, in our relationship with Hashem. Though there are others, but primarily we talk about Ahava and Yira. So they are very directly born out of and developed from this learning. From the, from the learning process and specifically the Chachma and the Bina as they lead in to the Midos. And that, that goes back to what we said earlier that the Chachma and Bina are called the Imos, they're called the mothers to the Midos that come forth from them. What about um, <clears throat> the Chachma, Bina and Das with learning Torah and Chachma, Bina and Das with the idea of like a mitzvah or like, you know, a campaign or you know, all of those things. Is that, it's not just, is it just thinking about Hashem or is it also those other things? It's also those other things. It's definitely those other things as well. Any intellectual idea about anything has these... Right. That's 100% correct. Chachman Nas is correct about anything. That's why I said, but we're talking about the godly soul. The godly soul, Chachma Binandas, is always going to be godly and about godliness. Learning Torah is godly as well. When I'm going to use Chachma Bina Das to learn how to build a building, right. so I'm using Chachma Bina Das as well, but that's going to be the Chachma Bina Das of the other soul that we have. Right. Remember, there's two souls. Right. And we're talk- today we're learning about the godly soul and its makeup. So though both souls are made up of the ten spheros and both of them are very similar in their usages, but their usages are going to be very much defined by which soul it's coming from. Okay. Okay. All, both have ten spheros. Correct. Both souls have ten spheros, and both souls have that makeup, and both souls come from the ten spheros of Hashem. But the godly soul, the ten spheros, are always going to be godly, focused, and oriented. Got it. Okay? So, I want to move on. We're sort of running out of time here. You get to Das. Right. right. So, okay. that's what I want to I want to devote the last few minutes to talk about Das. Das, which is the third of the intellectual components, and is arguably... Um, sometimes the least celebrated, and it might be the most important. What does Das mean? So, and again, in the translation, in any book, it's wisdom, understanding, Das gets knowledge. And that's the poorest translation of the three. Right? What does Das really mean from a Hasidic and Kabbalistic perspective? Das means, more than anything else, connection. Really? To connect to something. In fact, the Alter Rebbe points to the Chomesh, where is the first time Das is mentioned in the Chumash? Mm-hmm. It says, Man, Adam knew Chava. What does knew Chava? meant intimacy. It didn't mean, he's, you know, what's your name? Mm-hmm. Right? Das is the ultimate connecting of two concepts, of, of two entities, two entities. What does that mean in this conversation? Chachma and Bina are wonderful. I have a flash of inspiration. I think deeply about something. But how does that become, how do I connect with that which I just learned? Because as long as I don't really deeply connect to the concepts I learned, they don't become part of me. They're not going to create real change or midos. Right? I can know a lot of interesting things and that might have zero effect on me. I know. Right? We know that people might know that certain things are bad for them. So what? It's bad for me and I do it anyway. I know it's bad for me. That doesn't stop me from doing it. Because my knowledge and what I do or actually feel about things don't necessarily connect. So a chachma and bina that's divorced from das is interesting on a purely intellectual level but is, has very little meaning and effect on the person and the soul powers that come afterward, the seven emotional soul powers. Because as we were saying from the beginning, the intellectual soul powers are called emos because they're supposed to guide, lead, form the emotions and the patterns and the life of a person. But my intellect only leads and forms my life with das. And that's why, in many ways, Das is the most important of the three. Das is the connector. It's bringing it home. In the Zohar, Das is called Mafteach, which means the key to all the six midas. To, to use the actual, to give the actual quote from the Zohar, Das is Mafteach de Kalil Shis. 
which means it's the mafteach, it's the key that includes or opens all of the six midos that come after das. That's what there's seven. Oh gosh, we're <laughs> just checking to see if you're listening. Okay, so that's a big question. I don't have the answer to that right now. The midos are called six or seven. Because Malchus is like its own little thing. It's almost like creation. Is, is there six days of creation or seven? Well, there, oh, there are six. See, Shabbos is its own entity. Malchus is always its own entity. So the Midos, are sometimes we call them the six Midos, sometimes we call them the seven Midos. And I'm going to say it's beyond the scope of this lecture to explain, which typically means I don't know. But whatever it is, <laughs> the fact is that if there are seven Midos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fact is that there are seven Midos, and sometimes we just talk about six of them. For again, we're not going to go there now. Okay. Be that as it may, das is the key. And on a very practical level, how does one practice das? How do we do das? Right? So, chachma is that seminal flash of wisdom, the inspiration that I get. I get or I don't get it. Um, uh, the bina is contemplation. What's das? How do I bring what I learned and bring it home and make it part of me? So that it starts actually, yes, affecting the midos that will come forth from the das. And to use the words of Tanya here, he says that das is, I'm just going to read the words, I'll translate, shemekasher dato, a person literally ties their mind or connects, bekesher amitz v'chazak ma'od, in this very tight and intense bond. The yiska machshafta, one wedges their thoughts, the chozik with strength. Bigdulas in sof baruchu, in the greatness of Hashem, the eno masiach daito, and doesn't let it out of their mind. Das is through constant and consistent thinking about it. Not just something I picked up, you know, a nice idea, a nice thought, but to think about it and to think about it again and to think about it again and again until the thoughts that I'm thinking start penetrating and become part of me. And they start shaping the way I see things. To internalize. To internalize. To internalize. They start shaping the way one sees things and feels about them. Becomes part of our identity. Exactly. Exactly. Basically, it's the concept of not, of not leaving go of it. So it, it's sort of almost like bearing down on myself with the weight of what I'm learning. Now, I, a story that I've told so many times, and I love it because I personally experienced it. Um, you know, Hasidim would learn a concept on Hasidus, and then like, they would think it over and think it over and think, take a mimer before davening. And the same idea, think, never get tired of thinking it over because every time you think something over, you sort of make it more part of yourself. So one of the great Hasidim of this generation, famous Hasidim, um, was um, his chassid, his name was Reb Mendel Futterfass. Anyone? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, there's books about him. And I, I had the great chus of learning by him in, in Kfar Chabad, in Yeshiva. When I was, uh, I was a student, I was about 20 years old at the time, and he was uh, almost 90. Mm -hmm. um, but he was there, and he was an elder mashpia. So one day, and I'll never forget the story, because so one day I was walking out of Hasidus in the morning, and he stops me, he says, did you learn Hasidus this morning? I said, yes. So he said, well, say over what, you've, what you learned. No, no pressure, right? <laughs> so in that morning, I was learning a mimer from the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe. And I started saying it over. And as I'm saying, so I say one piece, and he finishes it. I say next piece, he finishes it. So I said, remember, you know, you, you, know, you obviously know this mimer. <laughs> so he said, yeah, I know it. So I said, did you learn it recently? He said, no. Nah. It's been about 70 years now. So I said, 70 years, and you still remember the mimer? So he says, yeah, and he said, I can't, I can't describe the simplicity how he said it. He says, yeah, when you learn a mimer 350 times, it becomes part of you. To a degree, the 70 years doesn't make a difference anymore. Wow. So you learned it every single day. So I said, I said, 350 times you learned the mimer? He said, yes. He says, we were students in the yeshiva, and our teacher was a great mashpia at the time. His name was Rabbi Cheskel Fagin. He taught us the mimer, and he told me that I should learn it by heart. And every day before davening, for a year, I should review it in my mind before davening as a preparation for davening. And I did it for a year. You know, how many days are in a year? So he said, if you think, take a concept, you think it over for one year, every single day before davening, he says, that will become part of you. And you'll never forget it. And that's what he told me. 
And that was, that was the first time I really heard, saw in real life what it means here in Tani, what Das is. Das is not, you know, we learn something once, twice, we know it, right? We're bored. We're time for, you know, time for bring on something new. Like, I know that one already, right? You ever try telling a story about Shabbos table Friday night with kids around? No. You, you know, the Baal Shem Tov, I know that story already. <laughs> right? Because... He lived it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 we, so he didn't just learn it to know the concept. He brought that concept home to the degree that it became part of him. And, and once it's part of you, it's part of you. And that's where Mido's come from. When we just know something, so I know it. But when we learn it, and we relearn it, and we think about it, and we don't let it go, then that thing borrows deeper into ourselves, it becomes part of us. And that's where the Midos come from. In fact, he uses a severe expression in Tanya. He says, without Das, without Das, he says, any of the Midos that people think they develop, they, a love of Hashem because they learn something inspirational, he says, it's going to be very short-lasting. He says, if there wasn't the effort of taking the ideas that we learned and really connecting with them deeply and internally, then the Midos it creates will be yeah, like elusive, just like ima- imaginations, he calls them. It won't be real. For the system to be real, we have to go through all the steps. And there's the Chachma that's important, and there's the Bina that's important, and there's the Das. If those three are solid, and we learn Torah that way, we learn about Hashem that way, then it's going to create real, continued Midos, which goes into the seven emotional traits, which he doesn't talk about in this chapter. The chapter finishes at this point. Well, can I be practical for a minute? (laughs) Always afraid of that. Yeah. Just talk louder, please. Um, This seems so, I mean, like right now I have, I have have like a flash, okay, of this inspiration. But on a practical level, with all the things you have to do every day in life and this and that, it seems so difficult to really get to that in almost anything. That's what I think. <laughs> okay. You know, you know what I mean? There's truth to that. There is truth to that. But I just want to say that doing, even if one has a short period of time, but they learn something well, and every day they take a few minutes at whatever time, and they think over that concept that they learned. That one idea that talked to them, that inspired them, that concept is going to become part of that person. Right? We're, our life's, life is busy, and we're all busy. Baruch Hashem. At the same time, we have time to think, you know, sometimes not a lot of time, a little time. But if there's certain points and certain ideas in Torah that talk to us very powerfully and very strongly, we shouldn't just know them and then forget about them until the next year that we hear about it. We should think about them. And every time we think about something, we're bringing it closer to home. And it's going to have a greater impact on us. Versus something that we just know that we can pull forth from our memory you know, when we need it. Wait, a whole minor. Yeah, pages. Right, so it doesn't. Yeah, it sure doesn't like say. Right, it, 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 yeah. Not everyone has to be Remendel Futterfuss. <laughs> There's a reason why he was who he was. <laughs> but for us, it could be a thought, an idea, something that we learned. You know, something. But but I make sure that I I think about it, and I you know I take I take two minutes and I think it over, and that way that thing becomes mine. Okay, so that. Um, um. That, that, uh, yes. No, no, I'm saying that finishes chapter. I'll take the question in a moment. But that's the end of chapter three. And Emir Sashem next week, I hope that we'll, um, we'll do chapter four together. Yes, please ask your question.